Hi, my name is Kristen Pulver. And I'm Andrea Ross. And we are coming at you from the Watermark Hub with Genesis chapter 12, verses 10 through 20. All right. I'm going to read the passage. Uh, It's the New Living Translation. At that time, a severe famine struck the land of Canaan, forcing Abram to go down to Egypt, where he lived as a foreigner. As he was approaching the border of Egypt, Abram said to his wife, Sarai, Look, you are a very beautiful woman. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, This is his wife. Let's kill him, then we can have her. So please tell them you are my sister. Then they will spare my life and treat me well because of their interest in you. And sure enough, when Abram arrived in Egypt, everyone noticed Sarai's beauty. When the palace officials saw her, they sang her praises to Pharaoh, their king, and Sarai was taken into his palace. Then Pharaoh gave Abram many gifts because of her, sheep, goats, cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants, and camels. But the Lord sent terrible plagues upon Pharaoh and his household because of Sarai, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh Pharaoh summoned Abram and accused him sharply. What have you done to me? He demanded. Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister and allow me to take her as my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and get out of here. Pharaoh ordered some of his men to escort them, and he sent Abram out of the country, along with his wife and all his possessions. All right. All right. Let's chat about it. Tell me what your first thoughts are. Okay, so (laughs) I sent Andrea a text message after reading this for the first time, which said something like, Abram is a jerk. And I agreed. That was my first, yeah. First thoughts are he's a jerk. Who, he was... I think he's selfish, and he decided he just wanted to save his own butt Mm -hmm. and basically give his wife to somebody else in order to be ensure his safety and um, get lots of things in return. Like he said, they will treat me well, and they did. Um, So, yeah, I thought he was a really big jerk, and (laughs) Sarai suffered because of it, and he just got off scot-free. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, my first thoughts were, how is Abram willing to give up his wife mm-hmm. for his safety, for his life? And, well, and where's the trust? Yes, he's just left in chapter 12. He's just left his father's household because the Lord has told him to. And that was culturally not what you did. Yeah. Um, so he trusted God enough for that. But now this famine has hit and... And he's calling his wife his sister. Ooh, let's talk about that. Uh Uh-oh. So upon a a deeper study, we discovered some different things. (laughs) Yeah. And you discover that Abram is not totally lying. Yes. Little side note in my um, study Bible says that they are actually half siblings, which I did not know. So they shared a father. So this was a half truth. Half truth. And maybe he justified it that way. I don't know. We don't know. Still, I mean, they were still husband and wife, and they remained husband and wife for many years. So that seems to be the predominant relationship they focused on. Yes. So. You have to remember, it is Old Testament times. Different times. Different things. Yes. Still young in the beginning. Yeah. Okay. So I, those are some of our first thoughts. Yeah. Thirst thoughts. (laughs) Um, What did you learn upon further reflection? Yeah. So I, um, I listened to a podcast put out by a Messianic Jew who, if you are not familiar with that term, is a Jewish by heritage um, and born into the Jewish 
what's culture. The name, what's the name of the podcast in case anyone wants to listen? It's called Bema. Bema. B E M A. Okay. Um, but messianic means that he is a Jewish man who believes in Jesus and that he's a son of God, and so. But Jewish by heritage. Jewish by heritage, Christian in beliefs. Yes. Um, so he was describing this. First of all, he went on. He he began by saying about how there is a famine in the land, mm-hmm. which we will see many times throughout the Old Testament. And shouldn't come as a surprise because we're basically in the desert. Right, it's desert right area. now. Mm-hmm. Um, so whenever there's a famine, people head to Egypt because there is the Nile, which is resources. So there's abundant basically. life there. Yeah. Yes. Um, so Abram is now in charge of this household because he's not under his dad anymore. So he's now having this tension between trusting God and also a responsibility to mm. provide for other people. He has Sarai. He has his nephew Lot. He has servants that he's brought. Um, now, in my version of the Bible, which is the ESV, yeah. if I go into that, it says in verse 13. Wait, hold on. Let me read verse 13 from the NLT Excellent. real quick. Yeah. Um, so this is where Abram says to Sarai, so please tell them you are my sister. Then they will spare my life and treat me well because of their interest in you. Yes. So my version says, say you are my sister, that it may go well with me because of you and that my life may be spared for your sake. Mm. So, so it gives him a little, we could, Yeah, we don't know we weren't there. So in the end, it's all speculation. However, we could almost look at it from a point of view that Abram is trying to provide for Mm -hmm. Sarai in this, and that he's thinking, because you're beautiful, you're going to have a competition of suitors basically. And because I'm your brother, they're going to have to come through me and bring gifts and bribes. But what backfires on him is that they get there and he's underestimated Sarai's beauty (laughs) because Pharaoh's noticing her instantly. And so there's no competition. He comes and he takes. And yet he still gives Abram livestock and gold and silver and riches. Yeah. So. Okay. So there's a chance that he wasn't totally a jerk but let's not ignore the fact that it still came about because of lack of trust yes so his humanity entered in yeah to the story right which i think we can probably relate to yes (laughs) so so he was afraid afraid and he made a decision out of fear and he didn't trust god in that moment to take care of them so can you relate to that oh maybe a little bit (laughs) so yeah interestingly Okay, so he's he's afraid for his life, and um, this is something that Andrea knows about about me. But I have I personally have a lot of anxiety about illness, death. I grew up; people in my life died often. It sort of became a pattern that I expected to happen every two years. It's kind of making me rethink my friendship with you. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh oh. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I mean, I can resonate with that. I, you know, I get that strong desire, like, I don't want to surrender to God because what if God's plan involves something that I don't want to accept, right. like somebody in my life getting sick or hurt or dying? Right. Um, and I mean, and for me too, like, I don't want that for myself or my family, anybody I love. So for him to want to protect himself in that way, to think I might die, I mean, that is, that's a terrifying thought to have. Um, mm-hmm. And to surrender to God 
to a plan that you don't know or understand or you can't see right. the next 20 steps of right. is so hard. And so I get that. I get that desire to say, no, I'm going to will this right. into being how I want it to be. Um, forget you, God, because your plan might not be you know, up to my expectations, which is ridiculous because God has a plan for all of us and a path and a journey laid out before us that we don't even know. Um, but man, is it hard to let go of that control Yeah, and fear Yeah, and how it's so hard to not let that help. Like you want to make decisions from that place, but it's, it's not what God wants for us. Right. So yeah, I get it. I relate to him. I still think he's a jerk, but I, I can, I can relate to where he's coming from. And I think that I think you said this, you know, when we were talking before that we recorded the podcast, but you were just talking about how um, God uses people who are broken Mm -hmm. so that we can see ourselves in that story. Because if God used only characters who are perfect, how could we possibly relate? How -hmm. could the story be for us? Mm -hmm. How could we read this and resonate with it? Right. Um, Yeah. What about you? Do you have any... I do. Personal thoughts I after do, reading this. Because I like control. So I very I do. Um, you know, I think the thing that stands out most for me is my kids have health issues mm. and I have health issues. And um, sometimes it's tied to food and food restrictions and allergies. And so I get to a point where... Um, Food can become an idol in my life, but not the way that some people think of it with addiction or eating disorders, but more of like, I'm constantly thinking about controlling what my kids are eating because I feel like if I'm not, and if I drop the ball, then something's going to happen to my kids Mm. and they're going to get sicker or, or who knows what. Um, but I, I guess I stress myself out with that. I um, believe that I can control their health through the decisions that I am making for them instead of realizing that you do the best you can. Yeah. And God does the rest. So I had a a pastor friend say to me one time we were having dinner and we were talking about some, a tragedy that had happened. And I was just expressing like, my own ill preparedness. Like if something like that happened to me, I don't know what I would do. Hmm. And he said, um, God does not prepare us for the what ifs. Hmm. Like we're not equipped for what if. Wow. That's good. We're equipped for right now. Yeah. And if that were to happen, that tragedy or some, you know, food related illness or whatever, then God God is there and shows up and gives you the tools for that moment, but he's not going to give you the tools for the 20 possible scenarios that you just played out in your head that might happen <laughs> right. if, you know, whatever the case may be. So that has stuck with me since then. That's like, good. God's not going to, he's not going to prepare us for the what ifs. And we can look at that with Abram. Yeah. You know, step by step. Instead of rushing ahead and and saying, assuming, because you're beautiful, they're going to kill me. Yeah. He doesn't know that. He's assuming. Right. 
but he's not sure of that. Yeah. So, um, you know, what, what I love in all of this is that God is still good through it all. Abram still leaves with his wife. He has to leave. but He has his wife and he still has, as we find out in chapter 13, he's now very rich yeah. in livestock and silver and gold. Um, so God hasn't left him even though he's made this mm-hmm. mistake yeah. and he doesn't leave us just because we make mistakes and we're human. Yeah. Well, so. I think that's a good place to end. Me too. Do you want to pray for us? Yeah, let's pray. Okay. Father God, we want to thank you for this day. And Lord, um, I just ask that you would help us to trust you that when when we become afraid of the unknown and we're just not sure what our future looks like because we're never sure what our future looks like, that we can just trust you for the present. Um, and as we make each step along the journey, Thank you for guiding us. And as we go about today, I just pray that all of us would be looking to you, Lord. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.